Hello listeners, and welcome to the third and final part of this series about addressing obstacles that amputees face that can prevent them from receiving the quality of life that they deserve. This is Not Joshing Around, the podcast that brings you a first-year mechanical engineering student's perspective on issues that are sometimes definitely not mechanical engineering. I'm your host, Josh Finch. In previous episodes, I explored the mechanical and technological advancements in prosthetic technology, as well as possible mental health struggles that amputees can face. In this part, I'm going to talk about money and how this building block of modern societies relates to amputees and their treatment. As mentioned in the second part of this series, a study by researchers at the Walter Reed National Military Center and the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences found that direct and indirect costs for treatment for amputees can easily exceed $1 million. For the average citizen of the United States, this amount is simply not feasible to pay without some sort of financial aid. The patients would likely be put into debt that would only increase as time went on, suffocating them after saving their life. This is where insurance and insurance providers come into play. Generally, insurance providers like Medicare, Medicaid, and private insurance companies cover most of the costs of treatment, leaving a feasible chunk for the patient to pay. However, as the same investigation at Walter Reed found, sometimes amputees aren't given equal access or parity to artificial limbs because their insurance provides limbs based on their rehabilitation potential rather than providing access to the clinical standard regardless. And this occurs with Medicare, for example. Some states have enacted laws to ensure equal financial access to prosthetic limbs that would improve the quality of life of amputees, but many still haven't put any laws into a place to allow for this access. Additionally, many insurance providers, like private companies, place yearly or lifetime spending caps on their insured, and oftentimes the caps clearly don't add up to the necessary funding required to cover the costs of prosthetic limbs with upward limits of nearly hundred thousand dollars. Almost all prosthetic limbs require a replacement every two to five years, and when insurance providers limit the insured to a few thousand dollars a year or only cover one device for a person's entire lifetime, these groups of people end up having to face substantial costs that aren't being covered by insurance. This isn't every insurance provider by any means, but this issue is prevalent and problematic enough to be addressed. One man in the United Kingdom, Alex Lewis, found himself in the same situation. Lewis was interviewed by the BBC in 2015, and his story shows that these problems with funding treatment and prosthetic devices aren't only in the United States. Lewis lost all four of his limbs due to a rare strain of Group A streptococcus, and that resulted in a condition called toxic shock syndrome that necessitated the amputation of all four of his limbs and the reconstruction of part of his face. In the interview, he explains that his independence is vastly limited due to his type of limb loss, as well as the types of prostheses that he employs. He notes that the prosthetic limb that would allow him to walk safely and more normally, thereby giving him more independence, utilized microprocessors. Unfortunately, these microprocessors aren't included in the National Health Service, which is the publicly funded healthcare system in the United Kingdom. Lewis further describes his situation, commenting that while the quality of his care during and post-amputation was incredible, the costs that he faces afterwards are insurmountable, saying that his bills could easily reach over 2.5 million pounds, or over $3 million. Additionally, since the microprocessor prosthesis isn't covered by the NHS, Lewis and his family began fundraising 
for the limbs, despite the tangible frustration that comes with the knowledge that the limb will need to be replaced within a few years and the process will repeat over and over. Something is clearly wrong with this picture. There is no point bringing someone back from the brink of death only to drown them under a mountain of bills. Piling on the fact that an amputee suddenly can no longer work during their recovery, physical therapy, and the time after their recovery, depending on the extent of their limb loss and the functionality of their prosthetic device, these people are stuck. People like Lewis simply cannot afford to cover these monumental bills by themselves, even with the generosity of others. I understand that medical care is incredibly specialized and takes years to master. I believe that physicians and specialized healthcare professionals deserve every cent they're paid because they are literally saving people's lives or improving them in some way. But a balance needs to be struck so that compensation for the specialized care that patients receive doesn't bankrupt or force people to choose a substandard artificial limb or treatment just so they don't break the bank. So how do we reach this balance, this equilibrium between these two valid points? The Walter Reed investigation provides a few potential solutions, citing treatments performed by the U.S. military or Veterans Health Administration that allows amputees to test multiple prosthetic devices and fitting sockets to maximize their comfort and functionality that they experience, thus improving their quality of life as a result. This generally isn't allowed or is drastically limited in many civilian insurance providers. I'll admit, I don't know much about the implementation of insurance in the United States, so I'm not sure how viable this option is on a widespread scale. But it makes sense, right? If an amputee can only use one prosthesis for years, it should be one that they know will be as comfortable and functional as possible. A solution that I'm excited about is one that I explored in the first episode, 3D printing prostheses. Even though its implementation and design are still in their early stages, the technology will only improve over time. And as the process gets more and more streamlined and more money and attention is poured into the research, the prostheses that are manufactured will be customizable, functional, and more importantly, much cheaper than most advanced and complex ones available. Prosthetic limbs are meant to help ease one's recovery and improve their quality of life. If the artificial limb causes the amputee to fall deeper into debt and thus worsening their quality of life, then I believe it fundamentally fails at its purpose. I'm hopeful for the future of prosthetic technology, and I'm hopeful for greater access in quality care to the people that deserve it. The more affordable it is, the more people that can be helped in whatever situation they find themselves in. Whether it's a case like Alex Lewis or a case completely different from his, by increasing the access to care and reducing costs for it, these people are treated with a higher ethical standard, and I believe that should be the goal of any care given to anyone. That's all I've got for you listeners. This is the last part to the three-part series about exploring the problems that amputees commonly face and improving their quality of life. Economics certainly isn't my strong suit, but I, my hope is that this episode and the previous ones give you a greater understanding for what people with limb loss go through. This semester-long exploration into this topic certainly did that for me, and I'm incredibly grateful for that. If you want to read the studies or watch the videos discussed in this episode, the citations for them can be found in the episode description. I'm Josh Finch, and this was Not Joshing Around. As always, thanks for listening, and have a great day.